sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Thursday, September 10th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez, and as always, I got my man Kevin, the candle burner Walsh, as we try to put the fun and functional sports content and give you everything you need to make it a profitable day. And Kevin, are you ready for some football? Because ever since these Kansas City Chiefs had a comeback in the second half to beat the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl, we haven't had a football game since until tonight. And those same Kansas City Chiefs are in Arrowhead to open the season to hang the banner. Patty Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the crew, both of them, by the way, who have a couple of more O's in their bank account, they are getting ready to defend their crown. And Kev, they do it tonight against the Houston Texans, a Houston Texans team that was, you know, up on them early in their playoff game, but then Patty Mahomes pulled rabbits out of his hat. We will see if it happens again tonight, but Kevin, we are here. We have football tonight. It is, uh, it's unbelievable. Even as it's gotten closer to actual kickoff, right. it's, on, it's, it's not been like, yeah, you know what? I, I've been ready for it. No, this is still unbelievable. So, I guess shout out to the to the preseason for becoming <laughs> something that people have now uh, will accept. Now they want. Now they miss. Longer. Yeah, just like <laughs> I, I'm gonna need a week because otherwise this is all so weird without one. Um, obviously, there's a myriad of other reasons as to why this is weird. But yeah, listen, here we are, and we've got two of the games best at the quarterback position to get us yeah. underway. Yeah, absolutely. They'll be paid like two of the best. Remember, Deshaun Watson signing his extension earlier in the week. And Kev, there's so many things to talk about in this game, right? We got point spreads. We got totals. We got prop bets. But ironically, I want to ask you this. This is something conceptually we have been wondering about in this unique season. And I want to start here because we're going to get into it. We're going to get into the prop bets. We're going to get into the schemes. We're going to get into the fantasy goodness of it all. But Kev, there will be 16,800 people in Arrowhead tonight. I don't know if they're going to be doing the Tomahawk chop. I don't know. But they will be wearing red. They will be cheering their team as they kind of, you know, raise the banner and all what's the impact of the fans in the stands? I can think of everything from maybe they don't get the full three-point spread to what about like Deshaun Watson on the other side? Maybe being able to, you know, call out the hot route on the road. Like, we're going to see this test case. What are you expecting from the fans in Kansas City tonight? Yeah, so this is 60,000 shy of capacity. So sure. 16,000 sounds unbelievable they should be able to space them out with ease um and that's still obviously a good number of people to have in there 
For me, listen, I am not going to put much into the idea that Deshaun Watson can hear clearly now because, yeah, look, so can the defense. So the defense yeah, you know, I'm just throwing things, things out there. Better. I don't oh, know. 100%. I'm looking to find I gotcha. out. I got you. And I, I think the, the easiest way to look at it, though, is, you know, 16,000 fans is enough for me to say, okay, they deserve the three points for home field. Okay. I mean, that makes sense, right? As we welcome in our radio audience from around the country, including out there out west on the mightier 1090, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh holding you down on the early line. Yeah, I mean, listen, basketball stadiums got 16,000 people. They still make noise, albeit indoors. I understand they're going to make noise. That is for sure because everyone is excited and they'll be excited to cheer on their guys. Here's the first thing I want to ask you about as we start to break this game down into a fine powder maybe we'll drop some of that powder in our coffee this morning kev but I, we could break down the game but i want to look at this total this total kev has been at 55 went down to 54 and a half we're down to 53 and a half now is back up to 54 and a half i gotta ask you kev like that assumes you know, with the point spread, right? That assumes something like a 31-23 kind of game. Do you really believe that these teams right out of the gate with no preseason, having seen nobody other than themselves, with their quarterbacks not being able to have been touched so far, you think it's all going to look smooth? You think they're going to put up 30 and 20 points or like, like avoid the penalties and things of that nature? I kind of think that similar to the beginning of preseason, we're going to see a lot of sloppy play. We're going to see a lot of unders. And this game is the highest total on the board. Um, are you with me in thinking it may be slow going at first, even for these two amazing dynamic quarterbacks? No, I'm not. Now, okay, talk it is to me. important to know that this total is still incredibly high, right? I think yeah, it's the highest on the board. always get caught up in is like, look, these guys are going to score. This game's going over. Well, listen, the, the number suggests that, right? I mean, these teams can still play to a high-scoring game and this go under the number. Ultimately, yeah. though, I think that these games have the ability to start hot because what has – Bill O'Brien been able to do to prepare for whatever Andy Reid is going to throw at him? Nothing. He is out there hopeless. And to a degree, the same can be said for that Chiefs defense. What are they going to do when for the first time ever, they watch Cooks, Fuller, and Stills line up with Cobb underneath and David Johnson in the backfield? There's nothing to prep for. So there's a massive disadvantage there for those defenses. All right, fair enough. Well, let's put it this way, Kev. If you think it may go over, then we got to look at the prop bet market and see anytime scorers and so much more. We'll do that when we come back on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here to the early line on SportsGrid. I'm Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And, Kevin, we are talking about this Chiefs-Texans game that will kick off the NFL season. And talk to me a little bit about this because it looks like, Kev, we may have our first, you know, gentleman's bet 
of the year is it looks like I'm leaning under, you're leaning over. You know, I'm just trying to look at this as right out the gate, similar to what we see in preseason. You're going to kind of put faith in these dynamic offenses right out the gate to Sean Watson and his weapons, Patty Mahomes, certainly with his weapons, and that they're going to hit the ground running, huh? I mean, the interesting thing is, and and I understand what you're saying, but I struggle to compare this to preseason. I mean, preseason, there's there's nothing on the line. The starters hardly play. There's there's so much that's not the same going into this game that I look at these two teams. They played twice last year, Dane. Went over both times. This number. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. You know, you had a 55 and then obviously the outrageous second time that they matched up here. So I I guess, like, when you look at this, though, you don't see a world where these defensive coordinators are left scrambling because they've just not had anything to kind of work off of as they prep for this game outside of last year's tape. Uh, possible, but uh, for me, the predominant part on this is the idea of not what happened last year because both of these rosters are different. Some of the coaching and the schemes are different, right? So I don't know that we can take much from last year. You're right. There were offensive explosions last time, especially in the playoff game. We know about that. But I think, you know, every year is new and they're trying to implement. It's For me, it's about how far along are they in implementing their own stuff for this year, both on the offensive and the defensive side of the ball. And as we see in early stages of preseason, right? Um, The complex offensive stuff and schemes are not just fully baked yet, okay? And the defense that can be vanilla can still cover. Um, And so that's where I think it will be, not necessarily because of last year, but because of these two teams and any NFL football team's process of digesting the full playbook, becoming comfortable in what they are intending to do. The other thing for me, and you know, you make the point, and it is true that it can go both ways, is I expect a little bit of sloppy play. And what I mean by that is penalties that will kill drives, okay? I think of some false starts and holdings and things like that that may hamper offenses tonight. Now, you can obviously say, but yeah, but there could be DPI on the other side. <laughs> and that is true. That is true. However, I, I and you may uh, scoff at this, I believe specifically false starts, specifically holding those kinds of penalties on the offensive side are the penalties I am talking about specifically. And so I would keep an eye out on that um, throughout this game. We will see, uh, but maybe we have our first idea where we're going on opposite sides and we'll talk about it tomorrow. I want to ask you about the game though, Kev, because who you got in the game, who you like in the game, where do you think this will play out? The defending Super Bowl champs raising their banner. They are favored by Last check, nine and a half points. That is a big number. That's more than a score. For those of you who don't know, three, seven, ten. These are key numbers in the spreads because of the way points are scored in the NFL. It's above seven, right below double digits, Kev. What's your take on the game? So I believe that this game here, for people who want to back the Texans, there are two general talking points. I would say the first one is game one of the year, nine and a half, a lot of points. Right. I'm going to play it safe and take the points. And I'm right. sure you've heard that, Dane. But mm-hmm. I might argue to you, if I'm going to play it safe, 
I'd rather the best player in the NFL at home with a coach who's done nothing for his entire career other than dominate when he's had all the time in the world to prepare, which is obviously Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit safer. That's something that I trust more than what the Houston Texans offer. The other thing you'll hear, I think, from Texans backers is revenge spot. They were embarrassed in right. the playoffs. And that I understand the premise of, but you know, the idea that the Texans will then just be able to say, ah, listen, they embarrassed us, let's catch them. I mean, listen, the Texans were able to get them in the regular season. The the Chiefs are are not going to be caught off guard by some motivated Houston group here. And what I really would push to people more so is if the Chiefs can improve on anything from last year, returning almost all of their starters from both sides of the ball and having as good of a roster as anybody in the league and returning uh, as many, you know, guys that they are in terms of the coaching staff, it would be not putting themselves behind double digits in games. Sure, that's helpful. it ultimately didn't cost them, it certainly put them in spots they they would obviously have felt better not being in, including down 24-0 in their own building. So for me, I look at the Chiefs as the team I trust significantly more. I look at everything about that quarterback, that coach that I trust Mm -hmm. significantly more, with all due respect to Watson. He's still not Mahomes. And I think that the Chiefs, one thing that they really should be pushing towards is not allowing them to look up at the score and go, ah, it's 14-3. We got to do this already. Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, they definitely have that experience, but you're right. It would be better if they weren't behind the eight ball like that, like they were in their playoffs. You know, you laid out a couple of options of what a Houston backer may say to you tonight. Okay. Um, I lean on the first one, okay? I don't buy this revenge aspect necessarily. I would say the first one, this idea of right out the gate, right? Um, That's too big of a number. And I'll just make another point here, Kevin. We've talked about this before across sports, right? Remember, I'm also on the under in this game, right? So if I expect a lower scoring game than you, it becomes by definition mathematically harder to get a nine-point margin, right? That's just something we've talked about many a times. I do expect this to be a little bit of a slower, a little bit of a sloppier, a little bit of a game one kind of thing. And in that scenario, which I do expect, I just think it's harder to actually get a double-digit lead. Now, that's hard to say with the Kansas City Chiefs, who are clearly a very dynamic offense, but I need to correlate my game script with my side lean, and that's what I am doing because I think it's a lower scoring game because of that i think 10 points is a you know the two scores is tougher to get out on but kev let me ask you this you believe it sounds like you believe in the chiefs it sounds like you believe in the over and if that is the case brother man there's a lot of good uh prop bet opportunities there as well and i want to ask you specifically about a guy i know you are on clyde edwards hilaire okay clyde edwards hilaire minus 125 to score a touchdown tonight okay and here's what i think is interesting we know he's going in the middle of fantasy round one in fantasy drafts around like dalvin cook and derrick henry right 
So I was like, wait a second. Is he going to have a prop bet total like a Dalvin Cook or a Derrick Henry in week one? And I look, his rushing yards is 52 and a half for a prop bet. You won't get any action on CEH tonight? Oh, absolutely. Let's be honest here. That 52 and a half is far too good to pass on. Because, and I think, Dane, and I'm interested more honestly to hear what you have to say about Clyde Edwards-Lair and the minus money that he is to score a touchdown in this incredibly low 52-and-a-half rushing yard prop. Mm -hmm. He is still going to get the majority of the reps in this backfield, and he gets the blessing of coming up against what was one of the worst run defenses in all of football last year, and I can't point to a move that's supposed to stop that from being the case. No, I hear you. I hear you for me on him specifically, and you know this. I just don't think I'm going to necessarily fire right out the gate. I want to see. You know, the idea of passing on a bet is also okay. But I'm with you. If you want to take the over, have at it. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the anytime touchdown scorer, is minus 125. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody. Right here on Sports Grid, the early line, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And, of course, also we welcome in our radio audience from around the country as we come back here, the mightier 1090 out there on the West Coast. Thanks for waking up super early with us. We're talking about the Chiefs-Texans, which will kick off the season tonight. And, Kev, you know, we were talking about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That's definitely a player we have been talking about for the last few weeks and months as related to fantasy football draft season and him potentially as a rookie assuming a big piece of the work for such a dynamic offense. But, Kev, there is no shortage of dynamic offensive weapons in this game. I mentioned Kelsey potentially scoring a touchdown anytime. We've talked about CEH. Are there any other guys you think will have a strong week one performance or is uh, something of a fugazi to, you know, Hmm. forget about? So uh, let me ask you about David Johnson here. I I look at the Russian Yards prop at 48.5. Uh, rushing and receiving is also available right now at 71 and a half. But I, yeah. I think the pass work might be a little bit more up in the air because Duke Johnson is still there. There, you know, we've talked about it. It's still, you know, despite losing Hopkins, actually a pretty deep wide receiver room uh, in Houston. But I look at 48 and a half. Now, you might get burned by game script if the Chiefs, exactly. are, you know, yes. quickly up by, you know, three scores. This is where you could get burned. But. I think to what we saw as literally a yard and a ton of juice got tacked onto David Johnson as I have this tab open. So uh, oh, wow. people are starting to agree. It's moving. Um, 40, over 49.5, minus 162. You know, Dan, but we think back to how the Texans got them during the regular season. Carlos Hyde had over 100 yards rushing. I think Bill O'Brien's going to want mm-hmm. to show that David Johnson is going to be a valuable piece for them. I think he's going to be a part of their game script for as long as possible. And I don't believe, you know, DJ getting to 50 yards rushing would be some game where we'd be like, wow, can you believe he got there? I think that would almost, you know, kind of be the bare minimum that I would expect for him unless this game is out of hand by, you know, midway through the, fir- the, through the second. Yeah, so I really co-sign 
like 90, 95% of what you say there. Okay. Um, yes. I remember specifically last year, there were back-to-back weeks and our good old production crew in Missouri will know this as well. There were back-to-back weeks where Carlos Hyde ran for a hundred on them. And then the week previous, the week right after that, Marlon Mack of the Indianapolis Colts did the same thing. And it was the same kind of approach. And it was like, mm, maybe that's the blueprint to keep Patty Mahomes off the field, to punch him in the mouth, right? So I'm with you on the fact that Bill Bryan and Houston may want to do that as an approach. And David Johnson is the guy. I'm also with you, though, that the fear of this bet is the game script. Right, Because if Kansas City does get up and if Houston needs to go more throw heavy, if they you know, abandon the run game or not full on abandon, but you know what I mean in terms of game flow, Duke Johnson is going to be on the field, not necessarily David Johnson. Right. And so that's then less snaps. Potentially, I know DJ, D.A.J. can do it out of the backfield <laughs> as well, but you're going to start to get that balance. And because of that. I would take the rushing plus receiving yards prop instead of the rushing prop. Because if if the game script stays the way he is and he gets that rushing, it's still something like you said in the 70s, right? That's still doable. Mm-hmm. But if it goes south in the way you see as plausible, right, I can still get the screen passes, the dump offs with him on the field. And he does have that skill. It's not like it's the difference of Duke Johnson to Carlos Hyde. Right. David Johnson can still get some of that. But with all of that together, I think you're right. But I would I would do it in a different way. I do the scrimmage yards rushing plus receiving as opposed to isolating the rushing. And and I understand that. Um, I think, you know, for you, you know, I would say as someone, though, who is looking to attack this game from an under perspective, I yeah. would, you know, expect a little bit more confidence in these backs being involved because the game script wouldn't get away from them. Um, but ultimately, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, you don't need to Kev, though, down, right? Honestly, 30 to 13, though, is under and is a game script, you know, is under by yeah, two but scores. You have the Texans as and well. is a game you script. You like the Texans as well. Sure. Sure, sure. Wait a second. Wait a second. Hold on a second. My bet on this game would be the under. Okay, but I don't know if I'm going to the window on Houston. I'm going to the window on the under. Okay, let me let me Mm -hmm. just make that clear. You're right. If I had to pick a side, I take the points. Okay, Mm -hmm. but my play on this game would be the under. I do just want to make that clarification. You're right. Okay, I do see a closer game script. I'm just telling you, there is a universe, (laughs) you know, right where um, that game flow can happen. And it can still go under. But we will see how it breaks out. Anything on Houston's side you really like? Yeah. Here? Besides I, David Johnston. Give me one more because we do have a lot of other news and notes to get to. Absolutely. But this game is happening in 12 hours. So let's milk it for all it's worth. Anything other nuggets you like? Anybody else you like in this game or other ways to skin the cat? So I expect this props market to expand as we get closer. to. I mean, we're still more than 12 hours out from this game yeah. beginning. But Will Fuller's receiving yards prop is there at 65 and a half. So I guess the question would be, Dane, when you look at the receiving yards props there for the Texans, considering, listen, they're going to still want to throw the ball anyway. It's not like they're going to just come out and run, 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 run. I mean, there will still be Mm -hmm. passes mixed in. Due to the explosive nature that their top three receivers play this game at, they obviously can only, you know, they can get over these numbers sometimes with only three receptions. Mind yeah. you, I'm curious, though, if you might look to attack 
their receiving core in the way sometimes I've seen you attack teams in fantasy football. Give me the last guy. That's how I'll worry about it because Fuller, Cooks, still. I mean, I think between Fuller and Cooks, that's your one-two. But I don't know which one's one, and I don't know which one's two. Yeah, I think you make a good point. Um, but to answer your question, I will lean on another rule of thumb we have talked about a lot this season. Okay? Familiarity, experience, and that stuff I do think matters. So to answer your question, if I'm taking a Houston wide receiver today, it's Will Fuller. And the thing is with Will Fuller also, like, it's 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 almost crazy to say, but, like, if dude is active and healthy, mm-hmm. he's going to score. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they will test him. They will take a shot with him over the top, right, with that nine route. The Kansas City Chiefs back end is susceptible to that, right? So I do think it's a good formula for the fuller downfield to actually work, right? And because he's healthy, it's week one. It's similar to, like, Deshaun Jackson, right? Like, if they're healthy week one, I'll take a shot with it. So I would lean fuller in that vein, as opposed to the new addition of Brandon Cooks, the new addition of Randall Cobb, or even Kenny Stills, who I think will be, if he's still there, would be like the fourth wide receiver there. I think Will Fuller is the real downfield option and should be treated as such. And you're right, he can get that on one play, Kev. You know, So that is definitely something to watch. You got anything else on this game? Ultimately, it sounds like you're taking KC minus nine and a half, and it sounds like you're taking over the 54 number. Yeah, that's that's certainly where I lean um, as of now. You know, obviously, uh, things can change as, as we get a little bit closer. Um, but, ulti- you know, I, I think as well, the, the touchdown market, anytime touchdown score. Yeah. Even because you kind of said, right, this can, can be a high-scoring affair uh, while we still see, um, you know, points coming in, in different ways. And, you know, Edwards Alaire at minus 125 is still to me not some outrageous price to be paying. Um, I think what does stand out to me from the Texan side of things is that Watson is the uh, most likely guy to score a touchdown, and that is obviously rushing for him. That right. is not for right, right, right. the air. That does not count. Uh, I think that's pretty interesting. Um, his yards prop will also be intriguing if people do believe this game could get out of hand. Uh, he might have but no choice then to get over three bills. Yeah. And, you know, keep an eye on this also, Kev. You're going to be on in-game live, right? And they have over our friends on FanDuel live props. They move the props live as well, okay? So keep an eye on that in terms of game script. If the game script can get away from a team, that leads to more passing attempts. And you can bet a live attempts and completion prop during Mm -hmm. the game. So keep an eye out on that. Kevin Walsh will be holding it down. I got to tell you, when you talked about the QBs and their props, Kev, it's like post-traumatic stress for me. Do, do you remember the Patty Mahomes rushing yards prop in the Super Bowl? Yeah. Do you remember how he had it by like 10, 15 yards and then decided to run backwards to run out the clock? Um, yeah, I was one of the victims of that because I was over the Patty Mahomes rushing yards prop. I got it at like 30 and a half or 31 and a half in the Super Bowl. So I'm not going to go back to it again because Patty Mahomes may need to run out the clock on that one. So we'll talk more about this game later on at the end of the show where we uh, see if we do have a gentleman's bet. But I got to tell you about another piece of news in the NFL that I think is pretty interesting. 
Jalen Ramsey got paid, Kevin, yesterday, okay? And we've been talking about it because the Rams have allocated money left and right to Goff, to Wentworth, to Gurley, right? We talked about the financial walls closing in, and this was always the case. When they traded for him, we knew it was a sunk cost. They were going to have to pay the man, and they did yesterday. Five years, $105 million extension. That's over 20 a year, the largest ever for a cornerback. Kevin, I believe cornerback is one of the three premier positions in the NFL, maybe three or four. On the offensive side, it's quarterback and left tackle. Right on the defensive mm-hmm. side for me, it's pass rusher and cornerback. This is one of the most important positions. Clearly, Jalen Ramsey is elite at that position. Is he worth twenty million a year? I mean, that's always going to be the struggle. Eventually, you expect the cap to go up, and then you don't have to worry about it. That's what's so interesting about this deal for Jalen Ramsey or the deal for DeAndre Hopkins is that we don't know if the cap is going to go up. We don't even know if the cap is going to be able to stay level. And those are the type of things that make these moves feel a little bit riskier. But this move is also a part of the reason why I still think the Rams might be undervalued when we talk Mm. about their perception coming into the year. I know everybody wants to sell on them, but McVay had two years in a row where he won the West. Last year, they would have been the seventh seed had we had seven teams that make the playoffs. And you see that the aggressiveness that they had to bring Jalen Ramsey in Then they still go forward and pay Jalen Ramsey. Like, they just keep finding ways. Listen, I don't know how they would do it, but if this team made another blockbuster trade somewhere during the year, it wouldn't surprise me. All right, fair enough. Their number stands at eight still. If you want to go over or under, they're right there in the middle if you feel strongly about the Rams. I think Gurley was such an engine and allowed them to do so much. We want to see if Cam Akers can start to assume and be that guy. They are saying Malcolm Brown, however, is going to start week one. We got more NFL news and notes when we come back here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here on the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. I'm Dane Martinez. My main man, Kevin Walsh, with me as well. Kev, we talked about Jalen Ramsey. That wasn't the only thing we heard yesterday in the NFL. I want to bang some news and notes off of you, see what the impact is, not only for the spreads, for the schemes, for fantasy, what have you. I'm starting with your team, Kev, the Philadelphia Eagles. They have, I don't know what the right word is, Kev. Is it acknowledge, admit? Whatever the case may be, they are saying that we can expect limited reps, right, for Miles Sanders as we start the season or kind of working him in, shall we say, right? Um, And that means Boston Scott is going to get some burn week one against the Washington football team. Talk to me, I guess, from an Eagles fan's perspective, then from a straight-up analyst perspective. What does this mean? We were talking all offseason, Kev, about the Philadelphia Eagles and what looked like their appetite to bring in a veteran, right? They toyed with LaShawn McCoy. They toyed with Carlos Hyde. They invited others in. It looked like they wanted to address that position. They did not, okay? they Miles Sanders gets banged up. He is still, I guess, not 100% if they're saying he's going to be limited. 
And that leaves, you know, guys like Boston Scott and the do-it-all Greg Ward Jr. Maybe we're going to have Dallas Goddard in the damn backfield. What are you thinking about this Philly backfield? Miles Sanders is the man, but, you know, he's still compromised, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, you know, Boston Scott was was great last year when he had to step up like a thousand other Eagles had to step up. He actually had more rushing touchdowns than Miles Sanders last year, oddly enough. He had five to Miles Sanders' three uh, rushing touchdowns. I I think Boston Scott, if he has to step up for Miles Sanders, I think the Eagles do trust him to do that. What I'm intrigued by is that the Eagles opening week not erring on the side of caution. And some might say, oh, yeah, they are limited snaps. But do you really need still any snaps from Miles Sanders? I think that, you know, with the way things have been, you really week one want to send somebody out there at 85 percent, especially, you know, when you, you think about a hamstring injury, those are those can linger, especially if you rush back early and then they can snowball into something even more problematic. So I look at I mean, from an Eagles fan's perspective, who cares? Everybody's injured. This is, it's not even, you know, you don't feel it anymore. But from, you know, the approach that the Eagles are taking here, I think you would like to, even if, you know, say you're someone who drafted Miles Sanders, you'd probably yeah. just rather punt on his involvement in this game not have to worry about, oh, do I start him? Do I sit him? And then right. he picks up another injury. You'd probably rather just hold him out this week. Listen, maybe even the next. Ultimately, if you get 13 games out of Miles Sanders, you'll take that and you'll be fine with it. Yeah, I think you make a good point here, Kev, right? Especially because it's week one, right? And if you're going to run the guy out there at less than 100%, you risk further injury, more damaging injury, and something being in this situation where then you're left with Boston Scott and nothing else for weeks, right? If, if Miles Sanders does anything to further compromise himself, this could be a little bit of, you know, uh, lose the battle to win the war. I can understand that, but we will see about Miles Sanders. I will say this, though. The number has moved a little bit, Kev. I saw it early in the week. The Eagles were uh, road favorites by six and six and a half points. It's down to five and a half. So it has moved a little bit with our friends and partners on FanDuel. Do you buy that? Do you think that uh, a compromised Miles Sanders is worth a point? I don't know if, if it's entirely related to Miles Sanders. Uh, people are kind of like Washington or they don't like the Eagles as a whole. Uh, whatever it is. And I understand both sides of it. I mean, Dane, because you and I have looked at these lines for so long. I mean, this was seven in the hook at one point. At one point, yes. Yes. So to even get down to six and a half is substantial. Now here we are at five and a half. It might close at four and a half. I mean, because we know games obviously are going to get bet only more. It's only going to increase as we approach the actual game. Whether it's, you know, selling on the Eagles or buying on Washington, I I get it. I I certainly understand why this number continues to come down. Okay, and, you know, we talk about Miles Sanders, but there's also Alshon Jeffrey, who, while he avoided the pup list, they don't expect week one. There's also their first-round pick, rookie wide receiver Jalen Rager, who we don't expect in week one may come back shortly thereafter, right? So maybe this movement is not only just their starting running back, Miles Sanders, but the fact that, 
Unfortunately, Kev, this is going to look like the end of the year or like the playoff game, right, where there's not as many options as you would like for this offense. But we will keep our eye out on that one. Philly is still five-and-a-half-point row favorites against the Washington football team. 42-and-a-half is the total in that one. I want to ask you about something Leonard Fournette said as well recently. You know, they were asking him, and he's like, you know, they're taking pictures with Tom Brady, all this stuff, and he's saying, yeah, for the first time, I've got an actual quarterback, and I think, you know, whether he's throwing shade at people or whatever, he's got a point, Kev. And I said this to you when he signed, why I think Fournette is going to be good with Tampa Bay. I said in Pop Warner Youth Football, he was probably the focus of the defense. At high school, he was focus of the defense. At LSU, he was the focus of the defense. In Jacksonville, he was the focus of the defense. Now, for the first time in Leonard Fournette's life, he's going to be like the third or fourth option on an offense, and he's going to have open lanes because the defense has to respect the passing game in a way that no other team Leonard Fournette has ever been on will have to do. Defenses will have to do. And they've got Tom Brady there. Yeah. I agree with Leonard Fournette, and I think that's a reason that Leonard Fournette could pop off more than people think this year. What say you, Kev? As far as the comment goes, as much as maybe I owe Blake Bortles uh, more credit because the garbage time version of Blake Bortles helped me win a fantasy championship many months Sure. I really garbage don't time points count. He, I don't think he really can text – Leonard Fournette be like, hey, man, what? No, you were terrible. No, it's factual. It's true. Look at the state of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and now he's going to go play with Tom Brady. Yeah, I expect Fournette to be excited. But I I have said this to you. Bruce Arians is not somebody that I feel all comfy, cozy about how he's going to operate that room. I think when Hmm. he calls Rojo the guy, I don't know if he's saying that lightly. When he says he wants LaShawn McCoy involved, I don't know if he's saying that lightly. You would expect Fournette sign. This is great. You know, not not be bell cow, but he's going to get the lion's share of the work, at least the carries. And I don't know if that's the case. Yes, Fournette can be incredibly efficient. Maybe the most efficient yeah. uh, in his career, at least maybe yeah. from a yards per carry perspective. All of that is possibly on the table for him. But ultimately, would you rather, you know, 85% of the work that he was going to get in Jacksonville or the 40 to, you know, 55 range that he might be getting here in Tampa Bay. No, no, no. I I, I want the efficient. I want the efficient Tampa Bay carries with, with, with only seven men in the box. That's what I want for Leonard Fournette. I want the goal line work of a team that we expect to have one of the better offenses in the NFL, right? No, I think Fournette is almost a a better value now with Tampa. And here's the other thing I'll say about that room, right? Because we talk about these committees all the time, and maybe we have another one in Tampa Bay. Two things. One is follow the money. They spent money on Leonard Fournette. I think that means they have a view for him, maybe even long-term. The guy is only 25 years old. Let's not forget about that. And the other thing is what happens in week one doesn't mean that that's what's going to be later on in the season, okay? I think Leonard Fournette may start in part of this committee, but will emerge. It will become clear that he's a better running back than Ronald Jones. Sorry, Chris Ventra and Rojo. And also that LaShawn McCoy, you know, 
He's 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 aging vet. Think about what happened in Kansas City last year, right? He seeded more and more opportunity as the year went on to the younger Damian Williams. And I believe something similar like that will happen for Leonard Fournette and why I do think he is a sneaky, sneaky value because a lot of people think about the committee that he's in. I think he is going to emerge and that committee is going to look different as the season moves along. We talked about the Tampa Bay running back room. I want to ask you about the Las Vegas Raiders wide receiver room, Kevin. Okay, Terrell Williams has gone down. They bring in Henry Ruggs. We know they got the slot kid, Hunter Renfro, in there. But I want to ask you about Braylon Edwards. This is a guy who they are expecting now. Uh, The quote, I believe, was rely heavily on. I got to ask you, though, because I generally don't like rookie receivers right out the gate. And they got Edwards and Ruggs. You got Renfro there in the slot. How do you expect the kind of balance of targets or what do you expect this to look like with Carr on the center? We know the stud in the backfield. Waller as a tight end will be involved as well. But how do you think this pie is cut up between two rookies, Edwards and Ruggs, and then, you know, the slot kind of quasi Julian Edelman, Wes Welker type in Hunter Renfro? Yeah, I think Darren Darren Waller still has the chance to be the guy. Uh, Last year, him playing 16 games helped, but he had 117 carries. The next closest was 71. Uh, If he can get in the end zone a little bit more, uh, then he has the opportunity to push himself up into another tier of tight end uh, in the view uh, for people, I think. For me, though, look, I know you're excited about Renfro. They took Henry Ruggs as the first wide receiver in this draft over Jerry Judy and CeeDee yeah. Lamb. That's the guy. That's the guy. He's going to lead this team in touchdowns. Terrell Williams did it last year in only 14 games of action and on 64 targets. Ruggs is going to lead them in touchdowns. The way he plays the game, he will also lead them in yards. Maybe you get a little bit more targets for Renfro, although I don't think Edwards is someone that I would write off. But if you talk about who I want from this receiving core, it's Ruggs, and I'm not second-guessing it. Fair enough. I, you know, when you compare Ruggs and Renfro, though, they are just so different styles of receivers. I don't disagree with you. Ruggs is going to have value in the touchdown market, potentially in the yards market, but also, and you know this from your time watching and loving Deshaun Jackson, right? He will also have value to the actual Raiders by not even catching balls, but stretching the defense, right? Almost, I don't want to say decoy, but he has that downfield threat. And that's another reason you bring in a Ruggs kind of guy or a Fuller but, or a Jackson, right? I just want to say with Ruggs, like, he yeah. he went first. He's not yeah. just run down the field. He does, he can take slants to the house like Odell does. Like, he sure. is by far and away the most talented receiver on this I'm not team. disputing that at all. But I'm just saying, though, it's not like Ruggs, because he's so fast, the idea around him is, hey, nine, nine, nine. He will also oh, that's get not what I'm s- Sure, and that's not only what I'm seeing. I mean, Tariq Hill is real fast, you know, and they use him in other ways as well. I get that. But we're also talking about the Raiders here. Okay, and the Raiders have loved, you know, 4.2 speed and will allocate it. Interestingly, I I get you rugs and the touchdowns and stuff. But the safest play for me, the safest floor for me is Hunter Renfro, especially because he has been there before and has some chemistry with Derek Carr. We only got about a minute left here in this segment. I do want to mention some injury notes. Okay, here 
in the NFL, and we got to start to get you know used to this. Injury reports will come out on Wednesday, and there are some people who are limited. DeAndre Swift, uh, David Montgomery. There were some people who missed practice also. Mike Evans, some of the San Francisco wide receivers. But that was just Wednesday. That was the initial report. So, Kev, tomorrow we got to see the way these guys trend, right? If they go from DNP limited, limited to full, or vice versa. That's the tea leaf to read, in my opinion. Feel me? Yeah, no, for sure. And I think going into week one, people are going to want to be uh, overly cautious with a lot of this about uh, who's in and, and who's out. And in some spots, you, you hope some of these guys are out and make it a little bit easier on you where you're like, ah, I got a guy who's supposed to get limited reps, but I said, ah, and I don't know what to do here. Yeah, uh, that is the case. We will update some of these injuries in tomorrow's Football Friday, right, where we're going wall to wall. We've got something like 13 games on the day slate on Sunday that we will talk about and preview, give you our thoughts. So football is here, starting with, obviously, Kansas City and Houston tonight. When we come back, though, I want to discuss college football because it's a little under the radar. The Big 12 is supposed to start, but a lot of games are not happening. We'll talk about it when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here on the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. And we are so excited because the NFL is starting today. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans kick the season off. So we've been talking about it, talking about news and notes, trying to break down this game as well. I do want to mention, though, college football is getting going. I mean, like the UAB and Miami played tomorrow. There's been games already. But I do want to make a note because the Big 12 is one of the three power five conferences that are playing remember the pac 12 is not playing the big 10 is not playing for now but the big 12 the acc and the sec are but in the big 12 you need to understand that like it's not going so well okay yesterday the baylor bears announced that they have to postpone their season opener against louisiana tech you remember kevin there was a big hurricane down there a few weeks ago okay and a lot of the louisiana tech players were evacuated dispersed in shelters and what have you 38 players kevin from louisiana tech have tested positive for the coronavirus the Baylor game against louisiana tech is being postponed but kev this is the third big 12 team that's having their opener postponed oklahoma state and tulsa has already been pushed back tcu versus smu has already been pushed back so the big 12 is playing but three of their teams weren't able to actually get it done out the gate. What's your level of concern about this? Yeah, I, I think it's very concerning when you consider the college game probably just won't have the measures in place to be as efficient as a lot of these pro leagues. And yeah. I think we're seeing that from the onset. I mean, at least Major League Baseball played their, their first couple of games before uh, it got shut down. And it's going to be an uphill battle for, for these schools and ultimately just hope we don't look back on hindsight and say college was the one league that undeniably shouldn't have pushed forward when they had the opportunity to look at their contemporaries who ultimately did press pause. 
Yeah, we will see about this. Is this just a blip in the radar or a sign of much more damaging things to come? I mean, Kevin, Juan Soto didn't play in the opener, remember, because of this. And now three of the teams in the Big 12 can't get their season kicked off as anticipated. This is a story we will continue to follow as it happens. Our number two of the early line is up next right here on SportsGrid. Stick with us. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.